In this first episode of Running Our Mouth podcast, we'll give you a bit of an insight into us as your hosts, Jimmy Morrison and myself, Ben Darcy. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the very first episode of Running Our Mouth podcast. I'm one of your hosts up on the Gold Coast, Ben Darcy, and joining me from Sydney is my great mate, Jimmy Morrison. How are you, Jim? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. So uh, it took us a bit to get up and off the ground, but I think we're going to be okay this time. Um, some people make this podcasting look easy. I'm not sure we do or will. So Jim and I have had the idea to put a podcast together for a long time. Um, we both enjoy running. There's a million and one running podcasts out there at the moment as well. We thought, well, let's just make it a million and two. No, we thought we could put something together where uh, we could talk about some, some things that we're passionate about, get some people really going on their, uh, their passions, not even necessarily running related, just start to see a bit more of the human side uh, to those runners that are out there, especially the everyday guys like us that are working full time and then just trying to get out in the morning or the Arvo for a trot. Definitely, mate. And I think that will uh, that'll add an extra dimension to, you know, the type of platform we're trying to achieve here, you know. So I'm looking forward to those discussions. Yeah, there's a few, uh, we are just saying before we started recording, there's a few lads that we reckon still think they're 21 um, when we're in the Army, you know, going back nearly 20 years now. They still uh, look like they're, they're playing the same game, which that could be really interesting to talk to. Jim, do you want to just give the listeners a bit of a, those that don't know you, Jimmy Morrison, some might know you uh, from your uh, Sober Strides initiative that you started a few years ago um, and you've helped a few people there, which we'll chat a bit about down the track. But do you want to just give the, give the listeners a bit of a rundown about yourself, uh, how you got into running and a bit of your sporting background? Yeah, mate. Um, so I got into running basically... As you've previously mentioned, we served in the military and that's where our relationship started and it's grown and evolved over the years and I'm blessed to be able to call you a mate. Um, And I guess the running part of my life was a progression from, you know, always maintaining, you know, some form of fitness whilst doing my military service. but then more so in my sobriety, um, which sort of reflects that Instagram handle of Sober Strides, where I started to, you know, focus on different goals in my life and different, I guess, um, passions that helped me sort of set that foundation for sobriety. So that's how my running journey started. And then Um, I'm sure as the podcast evolves, you know, we'll dive deeper into some of those personal philosophies and, you know, where I am now as a runner, as opposed to where I began. Yeah, mate, that's uh, there's a big difference for you from what I've seen in the last 20 years from where you started and where you began. You've always been able to, uh, you've always been able to roll the legs over, albeit back in the early days, we never ran more than a mile and a half, you know, 2.4 Ks, but, Nowadays, that's stretched right out. So you found running through your, um, predominantly like the running you do now, you found through your sobriety. But as a young fella, you grew up playing uh, rugby league predominantly and you were a you know, fairly, fairly talented young rugby league player from what you tell me. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, did that, I guess the, having that league background and then, you know, you used to, used to play a lot of touch footy and league in the army days as well. Did that, um, do you reckon that's, you'll draw from that when you're running now? Is it like a, it's two different parts of your life and your sporting life? Yeah, I think definitely I've done some reading on, you know, different athletes and sort of their background and a lot of the, a lot of the athletes that I admire and am motivated or inspired by tend to talk to having a fairly active upbringing in whatever capacity. And I think, you know, one of, uh, one of the things that I was blessed with was having an active childhood where my parents, you know, facilitated an environment where we spent many days on the river. We spent many days in the bush. You know, I was uh, driven to all these uh, childhood sports, whether it be rugby league or school sport or whatever I was diving into at that stage. So I think having that active upbringing, um, a very outdoors upbringing and then transitioning into the military where, you know, you have that ability to do your uh, your physical training on a daily basis and you're surrounded by, you know, a group of men and women that, um, you know, the majority are, are quite keen to dive into their PT and their physical pursuits, whether it be through sporties and um, that during the week or PT within your unit. And then uh, I think, you know, along the way, I've had my ups and downs as many others, you know, um, but I think that mindset and I guess the, the experiences through physical activity and competition and team sports and individual sports as a child, then within the military and then now to my endurance sport pursuits, um, I think they've all sort of um, facilitated the athlete that I am today. Yeah, that's um, it's funny, like what you mentioned there about the, the sporting side of the military. Um, and how we draw on that. And I think that, you know, we've probably seen, we'll, we'll get into this another episode because it's a pretty deep subject, but that sporting element in the military, the PT part about staying fit, but then that, that whole sporties culture, you briefly mentioned sporties, was very much a um, let's go and play a game of sport as a precursor to, to smash and piss. So um, my certain ex- experience there was very much that we'd, you know, play sport on a Thursday afternoon after lunch and then, you play your game and you get down to the boozer for the you know cheapest beers you could probably get around the place at the time, and um, that was the culture, eh? Like, and it was bloody good. Like as a young bloke, it was super fun and everybody was into it, and and it was you know you didn't think about any health impact or anything. You just thought, you know what, just played a game of footy, or in my case, just played a game of basketball, had a win, had a loss, didn't care, and then you forgot about it, and you five or six cans deep by the time dinner rolls around. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. You know, what I've had a lot of people say to me, look, or pose the question whether or not the army turned me into an alcoholic. And I'm very quick to tell them that the army didn't turn me into an alcoholic. It just gave me the best mates in the world to drink with. Yeah. uh, That was true. That was true throughout my sentence. But I think uh, you definitely... Well, you don't drink with shit, blokes. (laughs) You don't. it's know, definitely, I don't uh, know what it's like now. I hear it's very different, but fuck, <laughs> mate, we had a good bunch of lads, eh? Oh, we did, mate. But you, I think you, um, you know, you, you're onto something there where just looking back on my own experience, um, that competitiveness of 
sport is transitioning across to the boozer and then <laughs> across to the weekend, you know, it's, uh, it's I think right that on, eh? like, yeah. exactly, mate. I think that after that, nature. after that final siren went on a Thursday, it was pretty much, um, game on till the end of the Sunday sesh. That's it, mate. Little Friday. <laughs> you get through Friday with a hangover. <laughs> the, so we obviously got through the army side of things and then, you uh, you then took up the guys that are running stuff a bit more seriously and you sort of jumped straight in, from my memory, you jumped straight into the ultra side of things. You bypassed the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, the marathon, and your first real endurance event was a 50K run over in Perth, the Truth or Consequence, I think it was yeah. called, up through Jaredale there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I remember that day and I remember thinking, who in their fucking mind runs 50 kilometres? And at that stage, I was, um, I was a hap- you know, happily married. We had, our, uh, we had a couple of kids, a couple of young boys then, Lauren and I, and, um, you know, life was good. I was easy street, going to work, coming home, having a few stubbies, doing no exercise. And I thought, hey, this bloke, he's, he's quit drinking, and now here he is deciding that he's just going to go and do a 50K run through the bush. And I just, I remember you getting, I got up there and um, Hazy it was who was chasing you around on a mountain bike for a while till he couldn't keep up. And <laughs> Shout he, out uh, to Hazy. <laughs> yeah, Hazy. He, um, he rolls past me, he goes, hey, Darcy, I said, good mate, how's Jim going? And he goes, he goes, good mate, uh, last time I checked, he was in third. He's not all that far away. He's probably got about 10K to go. I said, third? And all straight away, I just thought, fuck, three horse race, you know? <laughs> and yeah, anyway, and probably, you know, Maybe 40 minutes later, yeah, rolled through, come down the road and uh, through the finish arch and, and finished in third place in your first ultra. And we are all pretty chuffed, thought it was pretty special. Um, we got the, the perpetual photo that jumps up on Facebook every year. Are you looking like you're absolutely shattered and Max standing there with a big cheesy grin on his face, all happy with you. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my intro to your running. And then, then you said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going over to do the North Face 100 in... in the Blue Mountains, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around 50Ks. Then you say, no, I'm going to go and do 100Ks in the Blue Mountains, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. I said, fuck, this is running. You know, running's fucking boring. Um, but, mate, you made it happen, and now you're kind of, I guess you, you're very much at that longer end of the, the ultra side of things now seems to be your focus. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely, mate. I think... Um you know, what comes up for me when you're sort of retelling that story and after just speaking about the, you know, that, that competition of sporties and having that, you know, competitive upbringing and always being involved in that physical activity and then that competitiveness, you know, transitioning across into my drinking and some of those other habits. And then that same, you know, I found myself in that same place initially with my running as well. Like I had those goals that were, assisting with my sobriety and that third place was definitely you know more good luck than good management and then getting schooled at the north face 100 and taking some lessons out of that to you know go back the following year and actually train specifically for the event and i think that was the first time in my life i really you know went through a process of completely dedicating myself to something and actually, you know, going through the process um, that was necessary and approaching it from that place of respect 
um, to succeed at my goals. Um, and once I had gone through that process and saw what can come to fruition through actually dedicating and being committed to that. Um, again, I found myself in a place of competitiveness and, you know, spent a bit of time there, you know, battling with myself as to where I was with my running or what I wanted. So, yeah, now I am definitely, you know, towards the, the longer scale, you know, in events, but I approach it now very much from a different place as I did when I first started. Yeah. So when you first started, were you looking at it like, I want to push my body this far and see if I can do it? Or were you looking at it like, I'm good enough to compete with the guys at the front in these events and I should be, you know, there or thereabouts. And now you look at it more from a perspective of, you know, this is as much about the training and, and getting the experiences there and then accomplishing things in some pretty gnarly races like i know what you your your planning and the things you've done that probably races that 99.9 percent of runners and even ultra runners probably won't ever tackle um and that they they're the ones you're looking for now more from the 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 personal challenge than the than the podium finish yeah definitely mate i think you know for me now it's very much about things I want to prove to myself, you know, I, I moved away from external validation a long time ago and, you know, and even, even early within that sort of running pursuits, you know, to a degree, there was that external validation there, you know, because initially I'd done quite well, you know, regardless of what scale the event was, you know, um, and that feedback was there and, you know, it, it's very easy to get caught up in that and lose sight of, I guess, some of those other principles and lessons, you know, that are available if you're willing to peel back some layers and stay true to why, you know, or what led you down that path to begin with. And, I guess now I'm in a position of, you know, I'm looking to increase my understanding of myself and regardless of whether I would have better outcomes at shorter events or, you know, road running or trail running or multi-stage events, that's all, you know, up to external feedback, you know, and to remain true to myself, then for me, those pursuits are only going to be worthy if they allow me to continue to peel back those layers and gain a deeper understanding of myself, you know, aligned to where I want to be as a man, as a person, you know, and for me, it's about continuing to increase that right of arc, you know, and not being content with, I guess, having pursuits that are anything lesser. So when I ring you and go, oh, fuck, mate, come up to the Goldie. Um, come and do this race. It's a 50K trial race. It's fucking tailor-made for you. You'll smash it. I'm all pumped for you to come up and, you know, give it a red-hot shake and you look at it and go, well, I, it doesn't, I don't, there's no internal validation for you in that. That's, you know, that the... the the, the your drive now isn't around that sort of thing, you know. You could look at races and go, well, 
you know, I could target that and I can put the work in and I could probably do all right. That's not your driver now. No, definitely not. Definitely not. See, that's, and that's, that's, what ha- that's the difference, mate, right? So that's what happens when you, you win some races, you tick that box, whereas chumps like me that have never won a race in their life um, probably need a, I don't know, maybe I've got to go, well, fuck, I'll get beaten by the 12-year-olds at Park Run, you know? So it's, uh, I've, got to find, I've got to find somewhere that's a lower-level competition than that so I can tick that box as well. But with that said also, it's again that that individual that you know that intrinsic aspect as to what you're looking for within that pursuit you know so it it doesn't what speaks to you on that level and what what it is that you're looking for within yourself you know that's that's not for anyone else to decide you know, yeah. and it's and not, it's not lesser, it's not more. It just, it needs to speak to you. And I think a lot of times we can lose our way when we get caught up in the hype of, you know, different things and, you know, different pursuits or what's, what's in trend currently, you know? Um, but I think if you, if you try to listen to that, you know, internal dialogue and let that, sort of intuition or what really sort of scares you, but excites you at the same time. If you let that sort of guide your, your decisions towards those different races that you want to want to use as a form of um, evolution, then you're going to be on the right track. Yeah. Well, that's like, um, I think about, you know, those moments you get where it's nothing to do with how, well, your place or anything like that in a race, but you know, every now and then, and I've had, I can think of three moments in um, events running. One was in a triathlon and two have been in sort of running based things where, um, I don't know, you kind of get a bit overwhelmed by what you've done or what you're doing. Um, and it's irrespective of how you've performed against everybody else in the event. And two of those for me were with you. Um, and that was when we did the Bravehearts triple seven marathons, the seven marathons, seven states, seven days. And I still yep. remember that, that one in Tassie. And yep. uh, I remember we turned with, we must have had two laps to go. And we turned up at the, I guess, the turnaround point on the, the out turnaround point on the way back. And you were, you, you'd been, you know, sort of, cruising through all of them in sort of, you know, three hours, 20 or less each marathon. And, and it was sort of like you just, you're in autopilot. I was sort of struggling a bit. And then on that, that one in Tassie, I don't know, I just sort of clicked a little bit and I was feeling good. And I remember turning at that point, must have six, we did seven laps there. I remember the six lap, the, the out turnaround point, And I think you were, you were finally starting to hurt a bit. And I remember turning and going, oh, this is good. I can put him to the sword here. I might actually... I actually get the chocolates in one of these events. And then it all sort of just uh, registered for me. But the reason that we were doing it, in particular, the reason I was doing it, was nothing to do with me and personal accomplishment and everything to do with being there with you. And so that was one moment. And then the other one, running one, was uh, for me was when we, last year, when you went down to Down Under 135 and um, I come along and paced you for a reasonable chunk of that. Um, you know, we'll tell that story one day where I probably 
probably should have um, performed better pacing duties and probably paced you through to through to the end. But um, mate, it was a completely different feeling though. Like it wasn't a overwhelming. This is you know this is bigger than me type thing. I think it was almost that that feeling of delusion and just how good is this? How much fun are we having? You'd run, you'd probably put 150 Ks in by that stage, I reckon. 140, 150. We were, you know, I was only, I was delirious because I hadn't slept for, you know, like a day and a half waiting for you to ask me to come and pay, jump in. And uh, running down that, uh, from the last, no, from the second last checkpoint on the way back after the turn, and um, you were in f- just carrying on like frigging two-year-olds with our hiking poles as frigging swords and just doing all sorts of stupid shit. Um, but it was one of the most fun and enjoyable moments I reckon I've had running. And it had nothing to do with, uh, nothing to do with what we're accomplishing or you're accomplishing or anything like that and just everything to do with the moment. Um, and it was, yeah, that was pretty cool. And that... Um, you know, down under 135 is obviously something that um, there's some, um, what's the right word? Uh, I don't know if redemption's the right word, but unfinished business, I don't know, for, for probably for both of us now, I think. Um, yeah, man, I, I think that's a fair statement. You know, it definitely rings true for me. You know, that's, that's where my head's at at the moment and where my, my sort of passion and purpose lies within my running, you know, is to, um, to get back to that event. And, you know, there's, I attended a warrior revival camp not so long ago and master Yang who facilitates that along with, um, a couple of other veterans, it's their, it's their creation and now on offer to the veteran community. But master Yang had said something there, um, about the principles are behind the actions and I think I've seen that within my recovery journey, you know, from addiction and dealing with some other, you know, trauma that I've had in my life and even sort of recreating my own identity, you know, post-military, post-drinking and who, in line with who I was trying to become, that all those little personal philosophies and all those little you know, parts of your life that hold meaning and guide you again as a human, as a man uh, towards that person you want to be, they are behind those actions, you know? And I think something like the down under one, three, five, and what, what it takes if you're truly accountable and committed to doing something like that to, you know, prepare yourself both physically, mentally, emotionally, and even on that spiritual level, that's where I find my, my purpose now, you know, and I see the event in itself as, you know, an opportunity for you to demonstrate to yourself or to be that example of all that action, all that lead up, all that preparation over, you know, that distance of that race and and what unfolds and how you hold yourself. And, you know, in those times of, 
where you really need to dig deep and expose your true character, whether you accept the challenge or you find there's still work needed, you know, and on that mm. first attempt at down under, I was faced with there's still work needed, but where I am now, well, where I am now, but is in a place of, you know, a sense of fulfillment because I'm going through that process again and get to re-examine and, you know, enhance those practices uh, towards having another crack at that event. And, you know, again, the event will be what it is, you know, the unfoldings, the, you know, the end result, whatever, regardless, but everything I take from the preparation, you know, the, the training and, getting ready to go into into that race that's that's where the source is so yeah and you and i haven't really talked about this but so you don't reckon so hang on do you reckon that if you hadn't had that big fall and uh that you had if that didn't happen you reckon you would have finished last year i don't know if i'll fucking tell you 100 percent, you would have finished mate you I still, I, I still remember seeing you sitting in that chair at that second last checkpoint trying to get warm and you couldn't get warm. Yet as soon as we get moving, each checkpoint you couldn't get warm, we get moving, you're right. And I know that you were pretty rattled and your head was pretty smacked up and, you know, it was a big <laughs> fucking fall from what, it, like, you know, I've had a few people that were there at the time that saw it that have told me. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind based on how much time was left for the, for the cutoff what we had to get through and, you know, simply being the last 20 Ks or 28 Ks of the race or whatever it is that we, that you wouldn't have got, I, you wouldn't have got to the end. And I was, you know, my job was to get you there. So it sounds like you've probably come to terms with it better than me. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I guess it's all, you know, like any of this, it's, I guess, looking at things from different or multiple perspectives and, finding what sits with you and you know what are the lessons you're going to take from that event and regardless of whether i think i could have finished or again the external validation of whether someone else believes i was going to finish or whether i wasn't it, all that really matters is what i took from it and then what i'm willing to do about it and for me i think at the time it was a bit of pill to swallow you know because i i did I did really want it, you know, and both Liz and I had put in a lot of training and a lot of preparation, but I sort of sit here now, you know, reflecting on it and having this discussion with you. And I, I believe I'm at a far better place, you know, now than I was back at the beginning of that race, oh, you know, you're uh, shit not just as a runner, but, you know, as, again, that person I'm trying to become. Yeah. That, um, of, uh, I know you're not on Strava. Um, I don't know if you see some of the photos that Dale puts up on Instagram and that from his runs through the Lurdy yeah, Gorge and that. And yeah. everything he puts out, I just look at it and it makes me fucking cringe. I'm just going, are you just plotting something worse than that frigging Mount Wilson or whatever it was called? You know, that... Oh, mate, you know that when we met up in that group of four, it was pissing down rain and we're sliding down the side of the hill. Mate. Um, you were, you, you'd, you'd thrown up for like three hours straight. That was a, uh, 
just such uh that's fucking cool amazing experience mate you know um and then what you spoke to like with the bravehearts triple sevens and then that event um that lands on me you know like for me they're to this day still two of the greatest experiences that i've had and that i'm grateful for um and I think when you go through those experiences within a race or with, within any event, I, it's hard to think or it's hard to, I guess, argue that you couldn't come out with a deeper perspective on things or, a, I guess, a deeper philosophy as a result of going through something it's, it's similar to the what we often talk about um you know when you go through that adversity or that shared adversity with someone that you develop that connection or that mutual understanding that mutual respect and it, it sort of bonds you um or binds you together as well um and i think that's been one gift, you know, that the running has afforded me was being able to participate in some of these events that, again, regardless of outcome, has allowed me to experience that. I think the, you know, the, the true nature of people, that, that true nature of companionship and shared adversity and then growing as a group, you know, and then um, moving from that, you know, onto that next challenge. Yeah, well, that's a um, a pretty good snapshot into uh, yeah a little bit about where you came from and I guess where you are now as far as a runner goes, and you know, short snapshot into your history. And we'll have a real big uh, deep dive, I reckon, at some stage into that. We'll just do a one-on-one, me and you, on here. But, um, <laughs> That was meant to be a fucking five-minute intro, mate. So, mate, uh, what's happened to you? What's now happened? That now that you've just fucking told everyone how good you are for an hour, I'll, <laughs> um, I've got about thirty seconds to, which is more than I need to ex- to, to give my running uh, journey, I guess, or history. So, I, uh, yep, sorry, I saw it earlier. If you didn't catch it, Ben Dust is my name. I live up on this Gold Coast hinterland with my uh, beautiful wife and three young boys. Um, but many years ago, I met Jim early days in the army back in 2001. So um, I'd originally been an army tank driver and I, uh, my body wasn't compatible with driving tanks, which is the fancy way of saying I got motion sickness. So I used to fucking spew all over myself while I was driving a tank. And then I changed over to be a medic and end up, posting into the same unit as Jimmy where he was um, driving trucks. So that's how we met. But for me as a young bloke, I sport for me was predominantly, there was a little bit of rugby league and then predominantly basketball. Um, I didn't, running really wasn't involved unless it was up and down a, you know, 22 metre wooden court. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really have much in the way of running, um, pedigree or training or anything as a, as a young fella and then you get to the army um, and really everything's focused around passing a fitness test uh, which being that you know 2.4 kilometers at the time or you know one and a half miles so 
everything you did was really high-end sort of threshold, almost anaerobic type stuff because you just had to pass your fitness test and there was no belief that you'd ever have to run more than 2.4 Ks, um, which clearly worked out isn't the case. I didn't, uh, I didn't really even look at running as a sport or a, even a hobby um, until, you know, shortly after that day, Jim decided to run that 50K race. And we we're both living in Perth at the time and I was pumped that me me good mate from, you know, Darwin days in the army had, had been uh, posted to Perth and we were able to hang out again and drink piss again and carry on. And, and it wasn't really like that. Um, you know, I had um, more important priorities and, um, you know, I had a family I wanted to spend time with and do those things. So I didn't, uh, I'd sort of backed off from the partying a little bit. And then, and then you just, you called it quits altogether. Um, and I was a little bit shocked. And I remember saying to you, what, you're not even going to have a, like a glass of wine with dinner or anything like that. It's like, surely you're still going to do that. And you're like, nah, man, nah, go on, go on. Like from, I think you've told me, mate, you don't even drink soy, you don't even have soy sauce, that right? Yeah, no. Nah. Because it's, cause it's brewed and there's like one fucking, I can't say what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> there's like next to nothing as far as alcohol content goes in it. But, mate, you, I even uh, get it. I even get anxious with all this alcohol and the sanitizer around here. Nah. Well, anxious because you want to start drinking it or anxious because it's it contradict you think you might become a contradiction uh, yeah man uh, it, it's weird so i uh yeah i was i wasn't doing anything mate hey i um i'd run a marathon with lauren in 2009 she trained for it i was arrogant enough to think oh, how hard could it be so i signed up with her didn't do any training and i reckon by about the 32k mark i was just about in tears um and there's nothing more degrading or belittling it doesn't matter who it is in this case in this instance it was my uh then wife or my wife we were married just been married uh, a few months earlier um jogging beside you and side skipping beside you telling you to stop walking and hurry up uh, so i had a bit of a all right this isn't the end of the running thing for you mate you better actually do something and then so i did actually put in a bit of training 2010 and went back and did it. This was a city to surf marathon in Perth. Went back and did it and, um, yeah, ran it, certainly ran it a lot better, um, but nothing hurt more than that first marathon, both to my pride um, and physically than that. I'm pretty sure I got been by a chick wearing jeans. So um, it was, yeah, that was a bit of a reality check on what it takes. You know, these days in marathons, people treat them like a fun run. Now, everyone does one, but... They never get any shorter or any easier. So I then didn't really do much at all until, yeah, you did that, that 50K. And I thought, oh, you know, 35, getting close to 35, you've got to do something. And Lauren had also, she'd done uh, the Bustleton Half Ironman a few a couple of years earlier. And I was like, she did all this before we, you know, got, got married and had kids and those things. I was like, I've got to, I've really got to, um, you know, pull my finger out here. I'm just going to become another fat norm sitting on the couch. And so I decided I was going to do the Mandra Half Ironman. Um, didn't want to copy you completely. And I thought, oh, this will be interesting. The run's not as far. I get to ride a bike. Um, not a very good swimmer, but it's, you know, that's the shortest part of the event. So I did that. And um, that was when I mentioned you, I had one of those moments. Like I was nowhere, anywhere near competitive. You know, I had, um, I had some goals on my own and uh, that, that really drove me to, to beat those goals. And I just remember at the end of that, you come down to the race actually, Jim, 
got a yeah, new yeah. photo of um I remember it. Yeah, it was a good day. And I remember standing in the water, Mandra, on the foreshore there after the race, just cooling my legs down and just thinking, You actually uh you actually did it. And you actually did it significantly better than you ever thought you were going to. And I was like I was hooked then. I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna be um you know, I'm going to be triathlon. This is what I'm going to do. And so then I did a few shorter, shorter, couple of Olympic distance and had a sprint series in Perth. And so I got into that a bit, wasted a heap of money on a flash bike that I probably never used. And, uh, and then it got cold and I didn't like riding in the cold. And I remember, I think you may have moved, you had, you'd moved over to, um, to Brizzy, Ipswich at that time. And I said, what should I do? And you go, well, just run, just just get your running up to speed and then worry about the swimming and the riding when it warms up a bit. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And so I looked at, I think it was the Perth Marathon and I had six, about six weeks to like focus on training for it. And so I, you got, I think you gave me a plan, didn't you? you or you gave me a breakdown. So do, do roughly this sort of stuff on these days. Um, Get your, try and get your long runs up to about this and just gut it out on the day. And so that's what I did. And then two weeks later, I did the, uh, the first Feral Pig Ultra. I did a 50K there. And, um, yeah, that was my intro to ultras. Um, and that's sort of been the, the focus for me ever since. Um, that's also been my best performance in an ultra, I might add. So I'm getting worse the more I do. Um, I reckon, uh, mate, for you me looking in on you you know your last 12 months in regards to training and commitment and i guess dedication to your goals in regards to running is unquestionable and that that has been extremely inspiring you know to watch you approach it like that and to knuckle down and just really get stuck in and you haven't had a chance at the moment to unleash on some of those goals but i'd be intrigued to know you know what has it been like over the that journey of the last 12 months and i guess an insight into we spoke about some of those personal philosophies that you develop an insight into um where you're at you know, as a runner, as a man, you know, as a father and a husband now, as a result of really getting stuck in, you know, to that commitment over the last 12. Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't sort of take too many things too seriously. I'm quite, um, you know, I'm trying to do all the right things with this training program. But I'll tell you what makes a big difference or has made a big difference for me. And um, that's having, well, probably because you pay for it, but having a coach. I've got, you know, an online coach like a lot of people do. Um, I'm just lucky enough that it's a guy that, you know, a local Gold Coast bloke that if I want to have a chat to him, I can. If I want to go and see him, I can. Um, and he's just – it's just knowing that someone's sort of there to keep you accountable but also to manage and monitor what you're doing so that you don't end up breaking down. Like I've had – you know, if I haven't trained – I haven't trained this consistency ever in my life. And yeah. oh, this consistent, I should say. And he's, um, you know, that's that all comes down to having a coach that tells you it's okay not to bust your ass in a certain session or tells you it's okay to cut your long run short if, you know, if your body feels like it's not coping because you've got to make it to the next training session and you've got to make it to the three sessions after that. And 
So that's I've sort of really shifted. Mate, we used to swear by the mentality of, you know, we used to say train insane or stay the same. Like you've actually got to look after your body a bit. Um, so yeah, for me at the moment, I'm a little bit focused on the the road side of things, which I've got a couple of uh, boxes to tick, and then I'm really looking forward to getting back into the longer stuff. So that's in a nutshell. That's my my uh, short running journey. So. I kept it within the time frames, unlike you, Jim. But <laughs> what I what I do like, and um, a lot of the dads out there, I reckon, will be able to relate to this, is when you get up every morning and you put your shoes on and you go for a run and the rest of the family's still in bed and you get back and they're awake and your kids say to you, oh, how was your run, Dad? Oh, did you have a good run, Dad? Like it's building in them that that's, that's a normal thing to do. To get up in the morning and exercise is a normal thing to do. Um, so... For me, there's a huge chunk of running for me is setting the example for my boys. You know, I don't. I think you look at how accessible everything is to them now, and how easy it is for them just to sit on their ass and do nothing. You know, they don't even. My kids crack the shits when we're watching a TV show and ads come on. You know, they're in here, like, why'd you, why'd you change the channel? What'd you put that on for? And you're like, it's the ads. And you're like, what's ads? You know, because they're just, everything's on, on demand. It's YouTube, it's Netflix, it's all this. So I'm, you know, I think, well, what, what lessons can we teach them? So if I can teach them through doing that, being fit, healthy, active is a normal part of life, then they will hopefully carry that through their younger years. And, you know, team sports are a big part of that. You know, they'll be all getting into team sports and a good mate from school. I've only really got one mate from school that I regularly touch base with and he... He and I and probably one other mate um, all played sport all through school. You know, we, we were always always in the sport. Well, he was a boxer. Another mate of ours was a league player. I predominantly played basketball. And so we every weekend, we're, you know, you spend your Saturday playing your sport and then hanging out with your mates from that sport. And it kept us away from other problems that I guess a lot of our, other our mates or circle of friends got tied up in. And I, I reflect on it all the time. I go, you know, you've got to you've got to stay active, and you've got to set the example for your kids. And for me, right now, that's running. Um, I don't know what it'll look like in ten years, but I want them to think that, or that consistently exercising um, is a normal part of life. Yeah, more normal than playing the friggin' iPad. Um, so that's, I guess, a wrap up on on both of us. We probably, like I said, we probably jab it on a bit longer than we were going in for the intro but it was it was good talk um get a bit of insight into jim and, and what makes him tick and you know there's many more layers to to that man under all the tattoos to to hear his story good story mine's shit um <laughs> mine's pretty boring i've got some good you know individual stories that we'll tell when we get some of the old army lads and that on um, and some of those involve running like uh not with me but you know there was a time jim where <laughs> we were chasing the security guards that were chasing a friend of ours that we won't name. Because um, he he pilfered two fucking hot dogs out of the back of the hot dog stand. So <laughs> the procession done was, the dolphin over the shrubs. Yeah, the, pr- the procession was him getting chased by security, you chasing security, and then the cops chasing you just because they thought something was happening. <laughs> and that's that was I reckon that was your moment you realised you got no top end speed. Because you got caught by the coppers. Um, With the podcast, so 
the name of the podcast is Running Our Mouth, and we've probably we've been pretty mild and pretty sedate in this first intro because it's we we thought it was important, and you got to I guess hear a little bit about us as the hosts. But what we're going to do with the podcast is we really want, as we mentioned, we really want to have people come on that are passionate about things, and we want to get them going. You know, we really want to get people blowing off some steam almost about the things that they're really passionate about, um, and not just for entertainment value, but because it's a, either a good cause or a good reason or, you know, something that, something that has got meaning to them. So Jim, I know we could, we, you've got a few things we could wind up about right now, but we won't go into that. Um, we are going to line up a couple of guests um, that we know have some specific um, areas that are just a real passion for them. And some are running related and some aren't. So, um, we, we hope you, uh, you'll, you'll come back and listen to future episodes um, and hear the guests we got on. We look forward to getting some uh, any recommendations people might have about who they reckon would be good. We know there's some people out there that are, that are very uh, vocal from a social media perspective and they, they don't mind telling it how they think it is, which is what we want. Like in this world today that's become really, really censored and really... Um, Oh, diplomatic, I guess. Everybody's kind of walking on eggshells all the fucking time. So, you know, we, we want to create a bit of a, an opportunity for people to, to have their say and not really worry about upsetting people because they share a different view. Obviously, we you know, there's respectful ways to go about it and we will honour that, but um, we want to hear, you know, conflicting views on things and why people have a stance they do. You know, like I was, um, let's just look at your phone then, Jim, just because I'm, all the fucking kudos on Strava that I'm getting. Oh, hang on. You don't use Strava. Um, and I was just thinking, hey, fuck, you could talk about some fucking wankers on Strava all day. We, um, we'll probably wrap it up there, Jim, unless there's anything else we think we should, we should share just with this little intro, intro episode. No, mate, I think, uh, uh, I think you summed it up nicely, you know, just, just trying to create a space where we can have, you know, a discussion that others may benefit from, you know, a bit of insight into ourselves as, you know, we sort of dig a bit deeper into the guests and try to understand what makes them tick and what their passions and motivations are. And, you know, I think if, if we continue to put out content that uh, the listeners are enjoying, you know, and we get the feedback to suggest that, that is the case then we look forward to knocking out a few more potties yeah one thing i was going to say like obviously we you know hopefully we're coming to the back end of this covid stuff unless you're in victoria then you're fucked but <laughs> the like a lot of people there's so many people out doing stuff now and it's great you know and it's been spoken about a lot how much more active people are getting and i'm i reckon it's starting to like i'm up in queensland right so we're we're fucking locked in here we're not allowed out um the borders are closed uh, but everything else internally within the state's slowly getting back to normal. Um, and I reckon that's starting to die off. I reckon, uh, and I think it's, you know, coldest part of the year, it's still not that cold up here, but I'm not seeing the, as many people out exercising as I did, um, say, six weeks ago. And I don't know if that, maybe gyms are open, maybe that's happened, but I, just, I reckon that if, you, if you're a runner and you were, um, you know, focused on some goals and you've had to keep shifting that goal because races aren't coming up or whatever it is, that it's just been the prime time to get fit. 
you know, just build that base fitness and, and get through that, get through the workouts and, and, you know, just get fit because you don't have to worry about any, any other element interfering with your fitness. Like for me, I don't think I've had, I don't think I could ask for a better training block, you know? So just hoping it means something at some stage. Yeah, mate, totally agree. So I can get that external validation from everyone else. (laughs) Well, mate, if that's what you're after, I'm sure you'll get plenty on Strava, mate. (laughs) I think it's a pretty good platform for connecting people to running and cycling, particularly new people. Um, I quite like it. Um, I know you, you know, it doesn't, Oh, it doesn't do what you need it to do. Oh, it doesn't. You don't. You don't have a need for it. I should say. So that's it, mate. Um, you're totally right. Like I, I agree with you, mate. Like as a platform to develop that sense of community and to link people up and you know either motivate or inspire each other and everything. I think it's it's unreal. You know, um, for me, it was more about happening to. I guess, see what role it was playing with my running, you know, and what I was trying to achieve and essentially whether it was doing more harm than good or, or what that relationship was like. And I, I removed it because I felt like I needed to remove it to move in a direction I wanted to move in. And I just haven't, you know, it, it hasn't really been a necessity for me or, or played a part in, you know, who I am as a runner. Yeah. Yeah. But on the on the flip side of that, mate, there's definitely I I definitely miss out on some of that community aspect of running as well as a result of making that choice. So, you know, it, it, I guess. So what you're saying is you might come back. It's always under constant evaluation, mate. <laughs> just, come, just come back and join our little Strava club, mate. Yeah. I have to uh, I have to get my K's and my bird up, mate. Oh so, fuck, mate. Oh Greg, oh Greg, mate, he's knocking out. You know, 220 k's is an easy week for them at the moment. So, um, yeah, he's looking red hot. I think he's doing BBRT. Anyway, we'll get him on after that. I reckon. Get him have on, mate, because he's another triple seven brother. Yeah, yeah. We can probably roll through all those actually. Yeah, um, definitely, I'd be. Um, I tell you what, I'd be sort of. Uh, I'd be stoked to have Kaz on. You know, if she, she literally just sent me a message, actually. So. Yeah, we'll work on her. She'll have a good story to tell if she's happy to uh, happy to come on. Yeah, mate, that'd be uh, that'd be real good. Well, we uh, we'll wrap it up there, Jim. I think yeah, mate. I think we had, I think yeah. it wasn't a complete disaster round one. No, you got a fair uh, bit of editing to do. I think. Oh fuck, mate! I'll be editing for hours. <laughs> so my bits were good though. So we'll uh, yeah we'll wrap it up there, and I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you then, bro. Thanks, Jim. See, you, mate. Bye.